All right, so before we get to the podcast, uh, I have a couple upcoming events. Actually, i got two events, but they're both on the same day. Uh, May 26, 2019, I am going to be commentating for New School Wrestling at 222 Queenston Road in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. That show is going to be at 1 o'clock. At 4 o'clock, I'm going to throw the vest on. I'm going to be doing some ring announcing for Alpha One Wrestling's Immortal Combat 7. Already announced for that match, or for that show, I'm sorry, as I speak. Uh, the walking weapon, Josh Alexander, is going to take on Josh Prohibition, and all ego Ethan Page is going to go one-on-one with David Arquette. Yes, that David Arquette. Uh, you can see all my upcoming events, uh, all my uh, ring announcing, commentating, podcasting events, and trivia events. Aha, we're going to talk about that in just a second. Uh, you can chat, you can see all that at timetofight.ca. Uh, we got the podcast, we got videos, we got all kinds of great stuff over there. So be sure to go over and check out timetofight.ca. Let's get to the podcast. From pillar to post and coast to coast. This is a one-man gang. You're listening to a book. Do you watch wrestling? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to fight! Hi folks, my name is Matthew Terry, and this is the It's Time to Fight podcast. Thank you so much for clicking on that play button. I appreciate every single time that that play button gets a press. Uh, If I sound a little quieter than normal, it is because my wife and Prince Isaac are upstairs, and they're trying to sleep, so I can't be very loud and boisterous, because I don't want to wake either one up. Um, Happy Good Friday to everybody. Uh, this is a big day to to many people. Uh, to some people, it's just a day off of work. To wh- whatever it is, I do hope you have a, a good a good good Friday, and I hope you use it to the best of your advantage. Uh, you know, hang out with people you love, hang out with the family, your friends. Uh, just take advantage of it. Not just today, but uh, all weekend, the Easter weekend. Uh, probably gonna get uh, in case you, in case you're curious. Probably gonna get uh, an egg hunt going for Prince Isaac. I think last year. I think we we helped him. I think we kind of led him around and helped him find the eggs. This year, I think we're just going to say there's eggs all over the house. Actually, my wife wants to do it outside, which uh, that could be cool too. Um, this past weekend, I did a double shot in Hamilton uh, for New School Wrestling. I did commentary, and um, I think I'm coming uh, coming into my own a little bit with the commentary. Uh, I think I'm starting to find my commentating voice, uh, which is nice. And uh, getting a little more comfortable there. Uh, my co-host, Chris Crucifix, he's definitely helping me with that. I think him and I are becoming more comfortable with each other. Uh, unfortunately, I had to step away a few times. I was having a bit of a medical distress, I guess you could say. And I had to step away for a few matches. But I had some backup. In the uh, in the form of Terrell Kenneth, who uh, was on the podcast uh, two three weeks ago, and uh, I got I had the opportunity to sit and uh, and listen to him a little bit. And uh, there's a guy who, uh, if if he gets more opportunity to do commentary, uh, 
um, I definitely think uh, he could definitely make a huge go at it. So if anybody uh, is looking for a charismatic commentator that you want to, you know, try to try to get on the scene, uh, go with Terrell Kenneth. I think he did an amazing job, and I really appreciate him stepping in for me. Uh, good new school show. Um, they're putting on some great events, and uh, they, they're going to be doing it again May 26th. Uh, I think I mentioned that in the opening. And, um, again, just keep putting on these great events. So if you get the opportunity, by all means, please, please, please get out and and uh, see those. Um, also, I was ring announcing for Alpha One Wrestling. And the three, due, due to the severe weather, Hornswoggle, Brian Cage, and Joy Ryan were unable to attend the event. So, arguably... The three main attractions of the day, and that's not that's not a knock. That's why I say ar- arguably. Um, that's not a knock on anybody else that was on the show. Um, but arguably, the f- three the three marquees on the show, and you know when it was all said and done, I doubt anybody noticed. Uh, I think I heard four people asked for refunds. And still, I don't think there was anyone in the house that was saying, damn, I should have got my re- my refund. Um, amazing, amazing, amazing show. And it kind of, I, th- I think it kind of makes you wonder, um, you know, if, if Alpha One Wrestling, like I, I'm not a decision maker by any means. Um, if Alpha One Wrestling needs to bring those bigger marquee names, like they're great and, um, you know, maybe it's a situation where they don't need to, but they do, just to uh, not to cater to to the fan base. But you know, if the fans want to meet these guys and they want to meet these girls and they want to get some autographs and they want to do the meet and greet, so maybe it's something I should just really shouldn't talk about or I shouldn't speak of because I just I I just don't know what I'm talking about. I'm talking to my ass about something I just don't know about. But. Uh, you know, that being said, you got guys like uh, the walking weapon Josh Alexander. You have All Ego Ethan Page, Maxwell Jacob Friedman, Gregory Iron, Ricky Shane Page, uh, Trey Miguel. Uh, guys like Shane Saber are coming into their own. Space Monkey is always an attraction. Uh, uh, really like uh, Gavin Quinn's new partner, Jun Tai. Uh, just a, a lot of a great, great crew. So, yeah, I just, and it, uh, just the point being, obviously, just an amazing show, um, with, uh, without the, the three, oh, wait, hold on, no, there was Brian Cage, did I say Hornswoggle? Brian Cage, Hornswoggle, Joy Ryan, or did I say somebody different earlier? I can't remember. It was Brian Cage, Hornswoggle, Joy Ryan, yeah. So, today we have Gregory Iron on the show. And uh, really, really, really appreciate having uh, Gregory on the show. Uh, wanted to sit down with Gregory for a long time. And uh, quite a while ago, I was supposed to sit down with him. And then, unfortunately, Greg had an accident. Don't worry. We talk about it on the podcast. Um, and then when he came back, I didn't sit down with him. I didn't uh, I didn't, uh, I didn't. re-approach him about sitting down. Uh, that wasn't my choice. And that's all I'm going to say about that. And then recently, obviously... I, I have a lot more control now over the podcast, and it was my choice who is and is not on the show. And I said, you know what? I want to have Greg, Gregory Iron on the show because um, I, I like talking with Gregory Iron. Um, 
And so I, I asked him, and unfortunately, we couldn't, uh, we couldn't uh, get get together again. Again, we talked about that, um, but had a little bad luck. But finally, I got the opportunity to sit down, and I'm going to call it, call it now. This is part one of my interview with Gregory Iron. Uh, not that there's any more audio than what you're about to hear. It's I had more to talk to him about, and I say in the interview how well that's that's all I wanted to talk to you about, but that's a lie. If I would have turned the page then I would have seen there was more stuff I wanted to talk. I knew there was more stuff I wanted to talk to him about. But in the moment, uh, just I couldn't think of it. And then the venue, we, we did it after the Alpha One show, and they people wanted to go home, and that's understandable. So uh, the next chance I get, I'm going to sit down with Gregory Aaron. We're going to talk some more. So I'm calling it right now. This is part one. Or this is, let's just say this is Gregory Aaron's first appearance on the podcast. But uh, I'm pretty darn sure. Uh, this it's not his last because there is more stuff and uh, he was so accommodating and so uh, eager to sit down with me. Uh, I think I can uh, I think I can talk him into do it doing it again. So uh, I'm not going to waste any more time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, it's time to podcast, and this is Gregory Iron. What happened? Pendo <laughs> stick in the back of the neck. They were like, what, what something he could hurt him with? So I'm like looking at up and this motherfucker hits him with a kendo stick. I'm like, God damn to it. To the back of your neck? Yes. And then to my back. <laughs> so I was over here and I heard like this crack. Oh, yeah. That was my neck. That was my actual, and worse was like, I, so I'm pulling the shirt off, you know, like they're like taking pictures, and I go, pull, yeah. pull the shirt off, and so it's over my face, and I'm cracking, and I'm like, good thing you couldn't see my face, I'm like, oh, what the <laughs> fuck? God damn it. All right, so we finally get to sit down. Yep. Okay, because um, we, we've had bad luck. Because like have. the last time, I, it, I don't know if it's Oshawa. Maybe it's Oshawa, because it was Oshawa the two times that we were supposed to sit down. It's true. And the last time was um, because you had to take off. Yep. But before that, um, if I remember correctly, you broke your dick. <laughs> <laughs> I did break my dick. Uh, that's something so, that... Uh, so anyone that's listening might want to know, how did you break your dick? Uh, well, uh, that is quite the story. So uh, I'll get comfy. <laughs> that, uh, that day, I uh, had a show in New Jersey, and it was me, uh, M-Dog, Matt Cross, and Zach Gowan, uh, all riding together uh, for Pro Wrestling Syndicate, which was um, under new ownership. It used to be run by Pat Buck and uh, Eric Pleska. Uh, they sold it to some guy. Uh, I think he's doing like a his side project's like women's volleyball. So I don't know why he bought wrestling, but whatever. He bought the promotion, booked us, and uh, we're making the drive there. So that morning, pulled into his sheets. Uh, we got into a car accident. Uh, uh, in my car, of course. Yeah. So, uh, just, you know, I knew it was going to be taken care of, but, like, we were still able to drive the show, but the whole time, I'm just like, Jesus Christ, like, so, what an inconvenience. It sucks, and I'm, like, in a bad mood. And Okay, well, just to back up a little bit, what happened with the car accident? Uh, well, I was, I was just pulling into uh, sheets, uh, making a right turn into the sheets, and someone else decided in the other lane that they're also going to make a right turn into okay. the sheets. So we were turning into the one entrance of the sheets at the same time. Okay. Uh, me in the correct lane, them in the wrong lane. So, okay. like, yeah, just... So it wasn't car. your fault. Right. So okay. um, so we get in the parking lot. We get the crash. We start going. And, like, so I'm in a bad mood. And, honestly, the last few months of my life I'd been in a bad mood because I went through a uh, 
long-term breakup uh, with my girlfriend. We were together for five years, and we broke up, uh, and it was kind of out of nowhere, so that was kind of uh, plaguing me. Okay. Um, so now this car crash is adding to it, and uh, now we're going to the show, and uh, I'm not feeling so hot about the situation. I have, like, an eerie feeling about everything. Yeah. And uh, we work uh, – me and Zach end up working these two guys – uh, that we had worked before, which didn't seem that bad the last time. But this time around, they were just calling weird shit, and uh, it was just bad. Like, they wanted to call, like, German suplexes. They were, like, uh, big big African-American gentlemen. They just wanted to, like, suplex me around in the opening, but okay. then, like, me, like, get a shine. And I was like, well, that doesn't really make sense. Like, I'm little, and I'm handicapped. And so, like, just right from the start, and they were kind of, like, giving, giving, getting an attitude about it. Yeah. Uh, so we ended up calling, like, some semblance of a decent match. And I, I just looked at Gallon, and I was like, he could just tell it I'm annoyed before we went out. And he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't, I don't have a good feeling about this match. So we go out there. Guys are forgetting everything. And they're, like, hitting me for real. Like, yeah. actual punches to, like, uh, the back and the neck and the head. And then at one point, uh, which originally when the incident goes down in a little bit, I thought, like, maybe this might have been the cause. Uh, I hit the ropes and I take like a real hard knee to my kidney and I'm like what the hell is going on here and I'm like potatoing them back and like hey what the heck yeah so um whatever it gets to the point in the match where me and Gowan always run the spot with guys that aren't so good we run them with good guys too but it's it's an easy spot that no one should mess up it's like um Zach gets the hot tag um guy comes running uh up and overs him to the floor. Other guy comes running. Zach boots him, uh, does something to him. He'll go dive on a dude on the floor, like a house show dive. Boom. Roll in the ring. The guy that's still in the ring, he'll hit him with a flatliner. Before he hits the flatliner, though, I blind tag him. So I'm up on the top ropes. And when he hits the flatliner, I'll come down for an elbow. One, two, big falsy. Yeah. So we run that spot. I do the blind tag. I come down with the elbow. And I'm already mad about everything happening in my life over the past few months. And today has just made it worse. Car accident, getting potatoes. Yes, and and this match is going so bad. Yeah. I make the blind tag. I hit the elbow. I pin the guy. The ref goes, you're not legal. You're not legal. And I stand up. (laughs) And I just look at him in in the face and I go, what the fuck? And I like yell it. And the crowd's like, oh. And I'm like, what the fuck? And like, I look, I look at the guy like, you fucking suck. And I like a gallon. And I could see like, he's like deer in a headlights. Like, what are you doing right now? I'm like, these guys fucking suck. <laughs> like, what the fuck? And I'm like kicking the ropes and like throwing a tantrum. Like, in the, like, and, like and legit. It, more than like a tantrum, it's like me, like, I feel like I'm having a breakdown, like yeah. in the ring. And I'm, cause it's like, I don't know. Like, to me, I'm not the best wrestler in the world. But I I like to think that I'm, like, good with, like, building a match, like, structuring it properly. And to me, like, wrestling is an art form, right? Mm-hmm. So it's, like, it's frustrating when you you share this, this art form with another person. Like, this canvas we have to work yeah. on together. Yeah. So, like, I'm allowing you to participate in this particular piece of art that i'm making today yeah but instead of like uh painting it with like pretty bright colors like uh, this guy's just putting brown all over it, you know what i'm saying and yeah. it's, it's real shit uh and it's frustrating so i'm like just throwing this tantrum which is not typical of me but um i've said it before and i'll say it again like it was it was such a tantrum that it would make Shawn michaels 1996 blush like, okay. it was real bad and so at this point i i know the match has gone downhill um i look at the guy 
and, and uh, I, I know what the next spot is, and I know he doesn't know, so I say, I'm going to run at you, throw me the fuck off, because he's supposed to throw me in the corner, and so I just yell out loud, so a little crowd could hear, because yeah. I don't care anymore. So he does it, and we do another spot where um, Gowan does a Sinkara kick to the guy, and the partner is supposed to be on the floor in position for me to hit a suicide dive. He's like 20 feet away from the ring. So I go to dive and I stop and I go, get closer, motherfucker. Get closer. Time for the dive. And I dive on him. And I'm like just on the floor. And the crowd's popping for all of this because they are like they know I'm legit angry. Yeah. Uh, and I'm just like throwing my arms up in the air. And then I end up going at some point up to the top rope. And I say, it's not fucking rocket science. And uh, so before I'm even in position, I'm, I know I'm going to crotch myself. But I'm not in position. So usually like, you know, my, my balls are like... Um, I don't know, a few inches above the buckle so I can, like, catch myself and not yeah. actually get hurt. Uh, my balls are basically sitting on the buckle. I'm not – I have, like, one foot on uh, the second turnbuckle and the other foot's on, like, the the other part of the turnbuckle. And so before I'm even ready, um, dude just hits my leg. So I have to kind of act like I got crotch, but I know it looks like crap. Yeah. And it didn't hurt, And but I just sold it anyways. And the match ends, and I decide not to sell at that point. And Zach's like, sell, sell, sell. I love you, Greg. I love you. (laughs) Great seeing you, sir. Um, So so hot. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, Wow. Usually it's the men (laughs) that think I'm attractive. Go figure. Um, So uh, I'm not selling. Zach's like, sell, sell, sell. I'm like, no, fuck these guys. They suck. (laughs) Uh, And so then we go through the curtain, and I'm just, I'm like mad. And, uh. The guys walk up. They're like, "Everything okay?" I'm like, "No, everything's not okay. Uh, you guys suck." And and like they're big gentlemen, so yeah. they probably could actually beat me up. They're like, "What?" And I'm like, "Yeah." And I go sit down in the locker room, which is the size of a prison cell, basically. Okay. Uh, it's in a rec center. The show's in a rec center, but our locker room is literally just the size of a prison cell. And there's like a couple couple random dudes, but then there's also like Teddy Hart, uh, Zach, M Dog, and MVP in this particular locker room. So I sit down, this ref comes up to me from the match, and he tries to apologize. I'm like, don't even bother, man. Like, nothing you could say is going to change this. And I'm looking down uh, at my crotch as I say it, and I see, like, a tiny, tiny spot that looks to be blood. Mm-hmm. And so I say, almost as, like, a ranting half-joke, because that's how my personality is sometimes. I look at Zach and go, great, my dick's probably bleeding. And I get up, and I walk to the bathroom, and uh, the bathroom is shared by both fans and wrestlers Mm -hmm. so there's fans in the bathroom and i turn my back from the fans and uh to my dismay i see blood uh pouring out of my dick hole and so uh urethra yes and yes so uh (laughs) uh i thought dick hole was the proper term oh Uh, in that situation it (laughs) probably is Uh, and so i go back to the locker room and i tell gowan come to the bathroom come to the bathroom come to the bathroom and he's like what's wrong i said blood's coming out of my actual dick and he's like show me and i didn't want to show him because you know i mean i don't want to show the guy I've looked up to for years, my dick, but I have to in this situation. Yeah. So go in the bathroom and I whip out my dong and uh, now my dong is like facing the floor and the blood's just like puddle of blood on the floor. And he's like, oh my God. I'm like, yeah. And so I go back and somehow like I end up like taking the trunks off and someone gave me a shirt and I'm lying naked on the floor with a shirt. And M-Dog comes in, like Zach explains the situation and, Zach, and M-Dog goes, uh, oh, we'll just call an ambulance. Because like typical cheap wrestler mentality, like why pay for an ambulance? Um, but I said, oh, no, 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 no. Blood's coming out of my actual dick. We're going to call 911 because I want this thing to work. Because, I mean, if my neck was broken, okay, maybe we'll drive to the hospital. But we're talking about my manhood here. Yeah. So uh, they call the ambulance and they put me on the stretcher and um, 
these guys do not apologize at all for what has occurred. And, uh, in fact, as I'm on the stretcher, which Teddy Hart had to help me on the stretcher because I couldn't physically get up, um, the guy, before I'm even out of the locker room, walks up to MVP and goes, hey, man, can I get a picture with you? And, like, I was so mad at that moment. I wish I could have got up off the stretcher and just beat the shit out of him because, like, I was like, how surreal. So then I get to the hospital, and the, the most painful thing was, like, uh, you know, cameras and various items uh, going in and out of my uh, – my, my, my dick hole, my dick hole yeah. uh, repeatedly, which made the pain worse, even though they tried to numb it. And uh, I ended up having to get, drive home from New Jersey with a catheter bag uh, on my leg. Uh, every two hours, we had to stop at a gas station so I can empty my pee bag. And uh, I can barely walk. And the worst part, because uh, I'm roommates with Ricky Shane Page, I did not want to stay with him because I knew, knew that I wouldn't be able to change my bag or bathe myself on my own. Um, I didn't want him doing that. So uh, I opted to stay with my ex-girlfriend, which is... The one that you just got out of the five-year yes, long-term relationship which with. Which was completely awkward. And um, I, when I got to her house, I walked up the stairs and it was so painful to even do that. And once I opened the door to her room and I saw her, I just started crying. And I'm like, why me? This is, sucks. Like, so stupid. Blah, blah, blah. And so when we started dating, she had originally... Uh, I always used to say, if I'm not signed to a contract by 30, I'm going to like... I, I'm gonna quit. You know, I don't. Yeah. I don't, don't want to be. Thirty's uh, too old. You know. And then once thirty was creeping up, she's like, "So you're gonna quit?" And I'm like, "No. Like, like all my friends are getting signed that are like my size, and like the whole landscape of the industry has changed. Because you know they're signing like smaller guys. Like Gargano's like one of my closest friends. So I'm like, oh, it's like not impossible. So um, I always felt like she kind of wanted me to stop wrestling, and so I felt like we were sort of working on things at this point. Okay. But this was the moment that I look back at now where she was like, okay. Because she says, so, you know, what are you going to do now that you can't wrestle anymore? And instantly, I stopped crying. And I said, well, I mean, I think in a couple weeks, as long as it's not a torn urethra, that I, I think I'll be good. It might just be a bruise. Yeah. And she just looked at me with this face that was like, oh, my God, I'm dealing with a an insane man. Yeah. Like, like you're in a horrible predicament. How could you ever consider going back to this? And I, I don't know, like it's, I guess the easiest way to explain it, it's like when you're passionate about something, when you love something, like I used to like see uh, those shows where they show like a guy gets into a car wreck, like racing his car, and then he just goes back to racing. You think like, what an idiot. Why would you do that again? But it's like you can't, I don't know, you can't put a, like a, a measurement on like passion or love and like that's what I have for wrestling. So it's like, it's, like a drug i've never done drugs but i imagine that's what it's like i just gotta keep going back for more and more punishment that's the story so how long have you been wrestling now uh coming up in july it'll be 13 years in 13 years yeah so that was a couple of years ago so you're 11 years in at this yeah. point so this is your job yeah i mean like i i've uh there's only been a couple year period where i i just wrestled uh which was it went okay but it was like a struggle when i had friday saturday sunday booked and then cancellations would come because because if wrestling would have been consistent it, it would be okay for me not to work a regular job yeah. but like um for the most part i've always worked like another gig um just because wrestling is so unreliable you yeah. know so like like i i've always treated wrestling like job and it's like it's basically like this is my second job and it pays me decent enough to work a second job you know what i'm saying but like yeah. you know i yeah can't work without a real job during the week i uh i i I can't really relate because, like, I did try training. Yeah. But just 
the cloud never lifted. And sure. It just, yeah. So it just it was never my thing. And then I got more into the clerical side. And now yeah. Now I'm a ring announcer, but I can definitely. Yeah. Well, that's good because see, sometimes like when guys get go to a wrestling school, like they have a one track mind, like they have that this idea that they're going to be a wrestler and nothing else. And yeah. I always try to tell people, uh, particularly like I get a lot of messages and stuff from like people with disabilities who mm-hmm. think like they see me and they're like, I want to be a wrestler. And but then they tell me their situation. Some of them are like, you know, they're worse than others where it's like uh, maybe it, maybe it's not going to be the safest idea for you to be a wrestler. But I always try to tell them like, look. I wasn't good right off the bat for a long time. Yeah. But I'd like to think that, like, had something happened where I realized, like, I'm not very good at this. I'm, I have such a love for wrestling. I would have found another way to, like, still get educated on the business and mm-hmm. be a part of it. And I, and I feel like that's a disconnect that not just people with disabilities have, but just, like, some people in general. It's like, I, I want to be a wrestler. I want to have my own entrance music. I want to hold the belt above my head on the top rope. And they don't think about, like, you know, there's other jobs and responsibilities in wrestling that, like, are very, very important that I think people lose sight of. Like, like what you do as a ring announcer and, and the job of a ref is so incredibly hard. And, yes. like, I, I could never do that. But, like, maybe someone who couldn't be a wrestler in the ring could do that, you know. Yeah. So they're, they're all important things. Well, I, I started as a writer. Oh, okay. Because I was just getting out of college uh, as free, from freelance writing. Yeah. And, I'm from, like, I'm originally from Ottawa. Ottawa, Ontario, and I had I had no idea that there was an indie scene in Ottawa. And long story short, I saw the indie poster. I had just gotten out of college, so I there was an email address. I emailed him and I said, "Listen, I just got out of college for writing. I I didn't think that I would become. At that point, I had no dreams of being a wrestler, even though I found it like there was a school attached to it and everything. Because when I was 18, I had a lot of surgery done on my abdomen, and all the sports that I was involved with up to that point. I couldn't play anymore, so I got into like bad shape and everything. Sure. Like that. So I had no no thoughts of that, but then of course, like you see these guys training, you see these guys training, you see these guys training, and just eventually you're just like, I'll give it a shot. Yeah. And I don't know if it was because of my s- surgical history, if you want to call it that, sure. or what it was. Just yeah, the, the like um, I, I have that one thing in common with Mick Foley. He was talking about the um, sunset flip. How he just couldn't. Yep. The timing and everything like that. And same thing with me. Just I kept kneeing people in the heads mm. and I kept like, you know, just landing on their backs yeah. and just and just. But that was a perfect example of like just the cloud never lifted. Yeah. And eventually because on the side I was doing the writing and I was doing other clerical stuff. That's where I was just like, OK, OK, I'm really not good at this. But you know what? Like this is fun over here. Yeah, you can contribute this in oh, this yeah. other place. You like know? I, I'm, I'm involved with wrestling. Yeah, that's just, and that's, um, that's something that I've always tried to like bring people in, like when they want to get involved. Sure. Is, or even, I'm kind of going scatterbrained here. Even when, uh, I think of myself as like eight year old Matt Terry, and the things that I could help a kid do. Yeah. Like come in the ring and do the 50-50 or like son of a bitch. Like I was in a wrestling ring and stuff like that. Anyway, I'm kind of veering off here. No. Um, but like you talk about, um, you know, people wanting to be wrestlers. Yep. And obviously like you want to be a wrestler. Who, who are you trained by? Uh, so I started with JT Lightning, um, who's pretty legendary uh, Cleveland uh, wrestler. Um, that didn't last too long because JT was kind of – at his wits end as far as training guys like you could just tell he's always frustrated he didn't want to do it yeah. and so um in my class was uh johnny gargano so and johnny gargano he only had been wrestling a year longer than me but he was way more advanced than 
anyone should have been at that age. I mean, he'd always already been working with guys like Nigel McGuinness mm-hmm. and Alex Shelley and Chris Sabin and Josh Prohibition and M Dog, and so um, JT just kind of turned over the class to Johnny. Yeah. And um, so I kind of always say like Johnny and, and Josh Prohibition would come in a lot and help. So I always kind of JT kind of taught me the basics, but then like Johnny and Josh really taught me psychology yeah. and like why. I do things and like win and I, that was a real game changer for me because the first year I felt like it was almost like on the job training because I was thrown in the ring after three months because I had a gimmick and I would sell tickets That's yeah. what, that was JT's deal um, but it wasn't until like I actually wrestled Johnny um, that I remember we planned the match the day before in his house uh, while lifting weights and everything that we were planning he would tell me why I was doing it and that was the first time that everything started to make sense because I used to get overwhelmed thinking like geez I can't even remember like my spots in the match like how would I ever remember someone else's or an entire match in general and sometimes matches are 8, 10, 15, 20 minutes like that seems impossible but then once Johnny explained to me why you do things like everything seemed a little clearer because like I don't know like I guess an example is like if you do a drop down if you don't know why you do a drop down in a match, like it's just a drop down, yeah. you know. But if someone, when someone tells you like the drop down is to trip someone, mm-hmm. and then you're like, oh, okay. Now not only do you know why you do a drop down, but maybe you can insert it in other ways in a match that are unique and different, and put it in different areas. So like, I don't know. Once Johnny explained to me why we were doing things, like stuff started to make sense for the first time. And um, <laughs> the first time we wrestled, it was actually behind a bar, outside in front of like ten people. And I asked him to have the match with me so I could tape it to send it to IWA Mid-South to try to get a booking because I was trying to get out there and get my name out there. So yeah. that's fun little side note there. Um, but ha- like with Lightning. Yeah. When you walked in, and obviously, like UFCP. Sure. It's, and it's obvious. Yep. How, how does a trainer react to that? So JT kind of knew me because I had already gotten my foot in the door by um, selling tickets for him. Oh, and okay. I had expressed interest in training. And um, <clears throat> JT was always kind of mean to me. <laughs> okay. Uh, but I'll never forget the first time I called him before he even saw my face. This is before I was even selling tickets. I got his number from a friend at school. Um, I was just graduating high school. And I called him on the phone. It was on a flyer. It said CAPW hotline. So like an idiot. You know, I thought it was like, you know, an actual hotline yeah. when it was really just a landline. And a woman picks up the phone and, I, and she goes, hello. And there's a baby crying in the background. I go, <laughs> is this the CAPW hotline? She goes, yeah, hold on a second. And then she puts JT on the phone and I'm telling her my situation. And like, I, I, I don't think I could be a wrestler. So I want to be like a manager. Yeah. And he said, uh, let me ask you something, dude. It is, in, is it in your heart? And I remember like when he said that, I got like a little choked up. And I was like, yeah, it's in my heart. <laughs> and uh, he said, well, then come to the school. You ever been to a show? And I said, no. And uh, we had that conversation. And then I don't know if I even, I didn't even go to a show for what, another f- another few months because I was just like, I took like that little tiny step, but I was still scared to like go to the show and whatever. Like just, I don't know why. Uh, then I went to a show with like Buff Bagwell versus Chris Hammerk as the main event that drew me in and I just kept coming back and then I started selling the tickets for JT so when I finally walked in and I purposely did it by design uh, last event that I watched as a fan was Wrestlemania uh, 22 okay. Triple H John Cena and I knew I wanted to kind of benchmark it because I, I never wanted to forget it that was I believe April 2nd so 
Tuesday and Thursday was training, so April 4th was my first day of wrestling training where I showed up and I paid 50 bucks uh, for my, quote, tryout. JT wasn't even there. It was uh, two local guys named Canadian Bad Boy and Casey Blood, and basically I just hit turnbuckles and hit the ropes and bumped, and they said, yeah, you did good. You're going to come back on Thursday? And I said, uh, yeah, and it hurt really bad, but I was like, I guess I'll come back. And actually, I avoided JT for like two or three weeks, and I was very scared to, to, to actually train with JT. But then once he started working with me, he was pretty much a dick. But there were these moments when other people weren't around where he would say to me, listen, today I'm going to teach you how to lock up. If you can't do this, this is a very basic thing in wrestling. Yeah. I'm not going to train you any longer. So everything was always a challenge. Like, And then he'd say, okay, this is a wrist lock. Like, If you can't do this or find a way to do it, yeah. I'm not going to train you anymore. So every time, it, like, I believed him when he said it. Like, And it's funny, too, because JT was kind of carny, and a lot of, like, promoters can be carny or trainers, and, like, they just want to take your money. So it was like it's weird in retrospect to think, like, he wasn't going to keep taking my money, but, like, I, I didn't want to deal with the situation where he wasn't going to allow me to try to wrestle anymore. So, like... I would just do shit over and over and over again. And if I couldn't do it the conventional way, I'd find a way that worked for me that looked good enough. And, and that was kind of like the beginnings. Yeah. Well, my mentor, Dave Dalton, he, uh, when you came to him, you said, I, I want to be in wrestling. Well, for me, like when I sent him the email and I said, like, you know, I'm a writer. I'd like to do it. I love wrestling. Be a, a dream to be part of wrestling. He said, we'll show up at the gym and, and we'll talk. And I showed up to the gym, and I walked up. I said, hey, you know, I'm Matt Terry. And he's like, who? And I said, the writer. And he's just like, oh, uh, listen, I'm busy. Can you uh, go sit in the loft? We'll talk later. I'm like, okay, cool. So I went and sat in the loft, and I watched the wrestling. And then after an hour or two, he left. And I kind of like, oh, he forgot about me. And it was training was every Tuesday and Thursday. So I showed up on the Thursday. And I walked in. He's just like, oh, yeah, sorry, I uh, left. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's like, oh, sorry, you know, I'm just, I'm really busy. Got to get training. Uh, can you go sit in the loft? This went on for three months. Oh, man. And it got to the point where I'd just show up, and I got to know everybody else. So I would get there, and I'd sit up in the loft. And then after a while, it was he literally looked at me just like, you're still here? Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I said, well, no, I, I do go home at night. Like, like <laughs> I haven't been like living in the loft. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's like, all right, let's put you to work. And part of it was the... Um, because so many people, like a million people, would say to him, I want to be a wrestler. I want to be in wrestling. Wrestling is my dream. And he just, people would show up and then they just take off. Yeah. And he just got tired of it. So after I had been there like a few months, he was just like, all right, like this guy wants to do this. Yeah. And when people would come to him for training, he would sit you down, like personally, one on one. And he would talk to you for like an hour and a half, telling you why you don't want to do this, why you don't want to be a wrestler. You're not going to. Like, the, the chances are against you of becoming famous, making money, making a job out of this. And yeah. he would try to talk you out of it. And if so many people would be just like, no, 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 I want to do it. And it's like, all right, well, this is your down payment, and this is how it works. Yeah. And but st and still, some people would be like, well, uh, you know, you should, I, I can't do this anymore, and like, this is too tough. I should get my money back, and no. <laughs> like when, when did you start? Uh, this June will be 15 years. Okay, yeah. So, like, around the same time as me. And it's, like, around that, that timing, I feel like, is one of the worst times in wrestling. Because it was, like, a few years after WCW and ECW closed. Yes. And, like, wrestling was in a real downturn. So, like, even worse than, like, I was just talking to M-Dog about this. Like, he broke in in, like, 99. So, wrestling was still hot. Yeah. And there was a chance that, like, maybe you could break in somewhere. Mm -hmm. When you start in 2004, 5, 6, 
uh, you're probably there's there's small chance, especially like when you're like myself, tinier guy, and and you have a disability. It's like uh, there's not much uh, room to breathe. So it's like it's crazy now to think like people thought like there would never be uh, an opportunity to make money on a smaller scale in pro wrestling, but like the internet and yeah. social media and like streaming services, they've really changed the world to where it's like you can you can survive off of independent wrestling. And I never thought you, we would see the day where that was even possible. Yeah. You uh, you mentioned Zach Gowan. Yep. And um, you said that you looked up to him. Yep. So, did, did how did because you guys are the handicapped heroes? Yep. How did that come? Like, did somebody put you together, or did you guys meet and say like, let's team, or what? Uh, first time I met Zach was October of two thousand six at Cleveland All Pro Wrestling, and I was really excited, and uh, he. He was mean to me. <laughs> he, was, he was not nice. Okay. And uh, little did I know he was on a lot of drugs at the time. Uh, and I didn't really cross paths with him after that. But it was one of those things where it's kind of in denial that he was, like, kind of a dick. Uh, 2010, for years, promoter had been saying, like, uh, we'd like to team you up. We'd like to team you guys up because yeah. it just makes sense. And it never would happen. Uh, and then 2010, finally, a guy in West Virginia teamed us up. And Zach had just got out of rehab. I was, like, the first guy he worked with since getting out of rehab and he was like a completely different human yeah um 2011 i do a thing with cm punk and cabana that goes viral yep. i'm doing more podcasts and stuff i end up sharing the story about how gallon was mean to me when i started uh i can't remember even what podcast it was it might have been cabana's podcast or something but um he heard it somehow got my number called me and apologized okay uh, for the way he treated me and he said like your story made me cry and like i didn't realize the impact that that my story had on people when I was there. And like, so it's crazy that like you were in my story and you became a wrestler. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe sometime we could team up or something. And, uh, I, I thought that was really cool. So that's kind of what got the ball rolling. And then like, uh, we started out as handicap handguns because we wanted something like motor city machine guns, but we had to change it because we started doing speaking stuff in school. So, uh, handicap heroes seemed like the next best thing. And then we were kind of off to the races. Okay. And do you guys still team today? Yeah, yeah. Because um, last I heard, he had like semi-retired, but he's starting to take more now. Yeah, he he semi-retires every uh, couple months, and then and then once <laughs> once he has like a couple good shows, he's like writing me and like, yo, I'm ready to hit the road again, you know. So it's like he's he's on and off, but you know, he's a 35 year old uh, father of two, and he'll tell you that repeatedly. He's like, yeah. I, I got to get out of this business. I'm a 35 year old father of two, but uh, wrestling's still in his heart, and sometimes it's hard to shake that. Yeah. Now something that you and I. Um, as I told you earlier, I kind of like to talk about stuff that other people like haven't heard yet. And something you and I kind of share is the, um, uh, was it two, three years ago? And you were sliding into the ring and something just came <laughs> bouncing in. Yep. And I picked it up and I didn't know where it came from and just threw it in my pocket. Mm -hmm. And then like I went outside the ring and I looked at it and it was a dinosaur with like one human arm and one dinosaur arm. Uh -huh. And I'm like looking at like, what the hell is this? Yeah. Like, well, this is, and I had no idea. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, I like, I kind of like looked at it and looked at you, looked at it, looked at you, looked at it, looked at you, and said, this is fucked up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I brought it to you, and I said, like, here. <laughs> so, if I remember, there was the dinosaur. Yep. There was a man in a wheelchair. A wheelchair with, like, a uh, bandage over his head uh, with blood. Cause it was oh, because it was after the dog, dog collar match. match. And uh, there was another one that, like, I, I remember not making any sense to me but there was like three or four of them that ended up getting tossed in the ring at me and i i still have them all they you sit still on my have counter. Them all. They, they sit on my counter yeah now 
tell me when this, like, when I first bring you this dinosaur, because let, let's fa- just to fast forward a little bit, you you have met this person now. Yes. You've talked to this person. Yeah. Okay, so let's back up a little bit. I bring you this dinosaur. You have no fucking clue what this is. Yeah. What are you thinking? Uh, I thought someone legitimately disliked me enough to create a dinosaur where they're they're basically making fun of my arm, and I thought it was hilarious. <laughs> like Seriously? I, yeah, I, I, I doesn't. It doesn't bother me because, like, the one thing I take pride in is, like, when I started being a bad guy, like, no one thought I could be a bad guy. Yeah. So, like, it, it's, it's a chip that I've always had on my shoulder, which, like, when I when I became a pro wrestler, like, no one thought I could be a successful pro wrestler in general. Like, when I wanted to lift weights before becoming a pro wrestler, like, my dad laughed at me. Yeah. And I think about that all the time. And he, like, made fun of me, like, to his friends and said, oh, Scar thinks he's going to lift weights. So, it's like... I don't know, like, my favorite wrestler as a kid was Hulk Hogan. Okay. But I feel like as an angsty teenager, it was it was Stone Cold. And okay. Stone Cold, like, gave me this attitude of, like, like if you tell me I can't do something, I want to do it anyways. Yeah. And uh, I kept that mindset with anything. So, like, being a pro wrestler, and then, like, when it came time to be a bad guy, I was, I'm going to be the best bad, bad guy possible. So if people are throwing crap in the ring at me, making fun of me, yeah, I'm doing something right. Okay, so at what point do you meet this guy? Uh, probably after he threw the last toy. After the last he, toy. He came up to me and was just kind of gushing that, did you get my toys? I'm like, oh, you're, you're the guy. And uh, I don't know, we had a nice interaction. He did it out of respect, I guess. He did. So <laughs> yeah. he wasn't trying to be yeah, he just, mean particularly. Yeah. So what is stopping him from just going up and like, hey, Greg, I made this? I, I, I don't know. I guess he wanted, he said to, he's just like <laughs> he wanted to get himself over and throw in the ring, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know the reasoning behind it. But, but now you've talked to this guy. I've talked to him. Very yeah. cordial. Nice guy. Older gentleman. Yeah? Yeah. A lot of time on his hands, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, oh, I'm, I can cut this out. <laughs> oh, no. That was all I had. No. Oh, okay. Um, so how, how old are you now? 32. You're 32, so we're two years past the deadline. Mm-hmm. Um, so what what do you still see? Like, what is it? Is it still get signed, or is it still? Uh, I still have a little bit of faith in uh, being signed, um, but I'm also open to the idea of um, doing something behind the scenes. Like, um, I had an opportunity to help with um, a video package with uh, Johnny Gargano um, and Jeremy Borash for WWE, which is uh, it was like a dream come true. Um, it was just it wasn't like they paid me or anything like Johnny asked me to help with yeah. it and um you know because he's my friend like we used to do that thing for we used to do s- things like that for TV in Cleveland um so he trusts my judgment and um it, yeah, I don't know just I've always loved those video packages and I used to edit some for the TV show back in the day so like to be able to take part in something like that with WWE was like a dream come true so like I don't know there's a lot of different avenues in wrestling that I'd like to contribute at as long as I can contribute and make a living off of it, like, that's what I'm all about. All right. Well, well I'm getting a signal from the... Oh, we got to wrap it up from yeah. the directors? From the... Yeah, he walked away. He okay. just he gave us the wrap-up. Okay. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm glad we could finally get together. Thank you. No, it was a and, pleasure. Uh, we'll, we'll talk again down the road somehow. For sure. All right. Thank Thanks. you. So I hope you enjoyed that interview with Gregory Iron. As I say, uh, I doubt very highly that's the, the last time that Gregory Iron's going to be on the podcast. Uh, I hope he enjoyed himself. I enjoyed sitting down and talking with him. Um, I'm going to be totally honest with you. Uh, I was very, very nervous to even first approach Gregory about being on the podcast because Gregory is kind of the opposite of me. I am very introverted. 
and Gregory, it would just, he is so personable and just talks with everybody. And he's, I'll, I'll dare to say he's one of the cool kids. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I've said it before. I don't generally consider myself one of the cool kids. So when he, when I approached him and I was nervous to do so, I was so surprised when he said, yeah, man, let's do this. And, uh, yeah, when I, and on Sunday, when I said like, you know, are we still on? He's just like, yeah, let's do this. You want to do it right now? Let's do it right now. I'm so eager to do this. So as long as he wasn't jerking my leg, um, I'm pretty convinced that he actually enjoyed himself. Uh, again, thank you very much to Gregory Iron. Um, keep an eye on time to fight ca to see all my upcoming events, ring announcing, commentating, uh, trivia nights. Oh, I didn't talk about the trivia night. Yes, it, it is official. October 24th, 2019 at 222 Queenston Road. We are going to be having, uh, tentatively, the working title is It's Time to Trivia. We're going to have a trivia night at 222 Queenston Road. It is a wrestling trivia night. More information is going to come. We're putting together the categories. We're putting together uh, the questions. We're putting together all that great stuff. And it's going to be a uh, charity event. And we're going to be doing uh, the ALS Society. As, as you people know, uh, Wrestling with ALS is an event, a wrestling event that I held for six years, I believe. I did six of them. I think so. Five or six. Yeah. Oh, it's supposed to do six, but I had to cancel it. Um, yeah, so we, we did five it. Now, uh, Wrestling with ALS is going to be a trivia night. Uh, I think a lot more or a lot easier to organize, and that's going to be October 24th. That's a Thursday, and that's going to be, again, at 20, 222 Queenston Road. Keep an eye on timetofight.ca, this podcast, our uh, our live streams, and uh, for more information on that, I'm going to get together. I got a, I got a few wrestlers that uh, which are more than happy to get involved and they're more than willing to help me and they're excited to get involved. Uh, so I'm going to get together with them. We're probably going to do a podcast with it. Um, where we're all sitting down, we're talking about categories and possibilities. I'll try to make it like a live thing so people can pipe in and, um, yeah. So keep an eye on, on out for that. Uh, once again, thank you to Gregory iron. And, uh, again, not going to tell you who the guest is next week. Um, because I just appreciate it being a surprise and I hope everybody has once again, a great Easter and, um, you know, again, you know, hang out with the people you love because, uh, you never know, never know when they're going to be, I'm not trying to get, uh, not trying to get down or anything, but, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm very much into the don't, don't waste the time you have. So have a good Easter, find those eggs, eat the chocolate and Isaac, buddy, I love you. I love it too.